on this day especially. Thank you for the awesome privilege of knowing you, of worshiping you, and gathering together with others who love you the same. Oh God, be glorified in this place. Be glorified in our homes. Be glorified in our hearts today. We ask in Christ's precious name. Amen? Now please be seated. Again, welcome to Olivet Community Church. We're so privileged to be able to worship God together today. You know what day today is? I know what some of you are thinking. It's the day after Halloween, right? 
Um, some of you uh, were ministering in your neighborhoods last night. Many of you were ministering here in this church parking lot yesterday. What was it? Over 100 cars came through, and we loved on them. And many of you who weren't able to be here donated things. We're so grateful for that. But, but this isn't the day after uh, All Hallows' Eve, right? This is All Hallows' Day. This is All Saints' Day. This, this is the day where we celebrate that Christ comes into our lives and lives in us. This is the day where we celebrate you, the saints of Jesus Christ. Oh, it began um, so many centuries ago, I think in the 8th century, with, with a, a remembrance of those who had suffered and died. And, and together, if you're just joining us online, together we've been studying together the book of Revelation, and, and, and we're so aware of the cost of following Christ, but it began with that kind of a day to celebrate those who had given their lives for the sake of Christ. But, but it became a day where we celebrate those who, the one who gave his life for us, where we celebrate Jesus and his indwelling spirit, which lives in every follower of his. So we're blessed and honored to be with you today, whether you're here in our sanctuary or whether you're joining us online in your homes. It's a great privilege to rejoice, to worship, to celebrate what God has done today. If you do me a favor, just take a moment and, uh, and pull out your phones and text your name to area code 812-457-9509. If you would do that, that's so helpful to us as we seek to minister to your needs um, Kristen goes through those things, usually the afternoon, if not the next morning, uh, that you send them in. And together as the body of Christ, we join together and lift up one another's needs. And we're so grateful for the privilege of doing that. We've had so many things going on in the life of our congregation. And, and God has just proven, uh, proven glorious. He's proven wonderful, honey. Right, it's so good to have you here. We're just believing with you, brother, as you go one more week. Is that right? Eight more, or six more sessions and, uh, of radiation. We're just looking forward to another miracle. And I know that there are many in our midst who are looking and needing for miracles. The same God who we believe died for our sins, who, who, who was buried and rose again on the third day. He's still in the business of doing miracles. If you find yourself in that place today where, where you're needing a miracle of God, um, can I introduce you to my friend Jesus, uh, the miracle maker? And we want to worship him and lift him up in our worship today. Just a couple of other things I uh, want to mention to you. Later on, we're going to have the great privilege of um, sharing in communion. Many of you here in the sanctuary received, as you came in, uh, a little cup. Um, uh, prepackaged communion. I apologize, and at the same time, I'm grateful that there is a way, even in the midst of COVID, to be able to share communion together. If you've not ever used one of these before, note that there are two lids on this thing. There's a very clear one that you can just play with for a minute. You can feel it. That releases the bread, and then when we get to the juice portion of our communion service, you can pull the full tab and, and be able to partake of the juice. If you are at home, I just want to encourage you to take a moment, even as we're doing announcements here, and prepare elements so that you can participate with us. 
I know it seems weird, and you, it, it feels like something's wrong with that, but it's much more important that we, um, that we break bread together, whether we're here or in our homes, than, than uh, our comfort level with a plastic cup or um, being apart from the body. So I just encourage you. Our session has approved it. Our nomination has approved it. We just invite you to prepare elements, a juice and bread, and then at home, partake with us. But this is also a big day for another reason. Uh, wow, wow, our uh, nation has been torn asunder, uh, right? And, and I'd like to think that this is the first time that's happened, but I kind of imagine almost every election from the beginning of time or, or of our country has been that way. But this one seems to have particular weight um, to it, and I know people are very passionate about it. I just want to remind you, God is sovereign, amen? He's still on the throne. And, and you know what? His, his being on the throne isn't dependent on how the election goes on Tuesday. No, what's much more important than, than uh, worry about the election outcome is that sweet and gentle reminder um, that God is sovereign. He puts princes in power, and he removes them. He is the one whom we focus our attention. And as we begin our worship today, I just wanted to stop for a moment and take you back. One of uh, our beloved um, writers of scripture, a man named Daniel, lived in a time and a place that was very hard to see God's hand moving. And Daniel recognized something that is important for us. We have for 40 days, been praying for our nation. We've been praying for every aspect of our community. We've been reminding ourselves that, that transformation, revival, if you will, begins with the church. It begins with us. But repentance begins with us as well. Repentance begins with the people of God. So can I share with you as, as, we, as we return to worship just a few words from Daniel, as he prayed for the nation in which he found himself nearly, uh, nearly 2,800 years ago. To you, O oh God, we turn our face. We seek you by prayer, with pleas for mercy, with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. To you, O oh Lord, we make our confession. For to you belongs righteousness, but to us, open shame. To us, O oh God, is shame because we've sinned against you. To the Lord our God belongs mercy and forgiveness, but we have rebelled against him and have not obeyed the voice of our Lord by walking in his laws, by walking in his truth. So for your own sake, Oh God, make your face to shine upon us today. Oh God, incline your ear to us and hear. Open your eyes and see our desolations. See the city that is called by your name. For we do not present our pleas before you because of our own righteousness, but because of your great mercy. So, oh, Lord, and God, I just add my voice to Daniel's. On this, in this election week, 
hear our prayer. Oh Lord, forgive. Oh Lord, pay attention and act. Don't delay. Not for our sake, God, but for your sake. Because of your people who are called by your name. And God, we just thank you. You have given us this freedom. Many already, but many of us even this week. To put, to add our voice to other voices. To put people in places of temporary power. But God, we put you on your throne today. God, we worship you today. We believe that no matter what sins we've engaged in, you can break the power of that sins. God, we believe that no matter what chains have bound us, no matter what has encompassed us, you are greater than those chains. And you can speak a word, God, and, and nations can be transformed. So do it again, God, would you? Forgive us our sin, for there are many. But God, forgive us as a nation also our sin. Call us to yourself and break every chain that binds. For we ask it in Jesus' name. There's Amen. power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power found yourself um, so engaged in the world around you that you can no longer separate what lifts up the name of Jesus and what lifts up the name of ourselves or even our nation. Have you been overwhelmed by brokenness and pain? Have you been bound by the choices that you've made or in many cases, the choices that other people have made. Do you believe that God is greater than those chains? Do you believe that God is greater than even our sin? Do you believe that God is greater than even death, the great enemy of humanity? Now, God, I thank you that you have proven yourself glorious over and over again. Yes, even we, your people, have turned from you. 
Yes, even we, your people, have listened to other voices, our own, and voices of those around us, and and it began to call good what your word calls evil. In many cases, we've begun to call evil and condemned what your word calls good. Oh God, as we worshiped just a few moments ago, we know there's only one thing that is good, and it's you. It's you. God, like you did for the churches of Revelation, can you, can you give us a new vision of what is good? Can you grant that we could see Jesus before us, that we could live our lives in a way that pleases him, that we could shine like lights, God, in a dark world, in a season where, where people are just looking for, for one hope, one truth, one, one light to shine into their darkness. And thank you, God. Your word says, if we confess our sin, you are faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. So God, we ask you to pour out your presence on us today. Reveal your power, God. Grant, even as as the name of Jesus crosses our lips, grant that we might experience that power, that we might not be discouraged, that we might stand before uh, the prince of darkness that that governs this world, that we might stand before the, the worldly temptations, that we might not back down from any, any temptation or, or challenge that is before us, but instead could believe, could believe that Christ is enough. So God, we declare before you today that we are weak, but we know that in our weakness you are made strong. So reveal your name, Jesus. Reveal your might. Reveal your power. For we ask it in Christ's precious name. There's power in the mighty name of Jesus. Every he wages, he will win. So I'm not
God because it always um, gives us examples of, you know, of places where people have gone through exactly the circumstances that we have and what God has provided for them. Do you remember the story of Joseph? This, this young man, i got a couple young men standing before me here, this young man who, who went through so much trial. Every time he tried to honor God, it's like God just turned his back on him and, and abandoned him. But we know, we know the rest of the story, don't we? God was preparing him to save a nation. And, and when finally the fullness of time, when he had been elevated and the very people that persecuted him came crawling to his feet, he didn't, he didn't condemn them. He didn't judge them. No, instead he said these words to them. Don't fear. For am I in the place of God? As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. God meant it for good. Can you think about those very things you were thinking of earlier? Can you imagine that, that the evil that you might be experiencing might be used by God for his glory and his good? Now Joseph said, God meant it for good to bring about that many people should be saved. So do not be afraid. God's going to get the picture. You take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good. You turn it for good. You take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good. You turn it for good. Try that with me. You take what the enemy find it today in uh, the book of Revelation, the book of Revelation chapter 2. I'll give you just a moment to pull your phones or your Bibles and um, Revelation chapter 2. 
beginning at verse 18. Well, I'll take advantage of this moment while you're turning there for just a second. We've been making our way around, um, around what we know of as the, the nation of Turkey, what the Bible calls Asia Minor. And in fact, Maddie, do you have that map? I don't know if you do or not. Um, you can see possibly, yeah, you can. Um, this little white circle down here to the left is the island of Patmos. Can you see that? I know it's very hard to see. That's probably about 30 or 40 miles off the coast there and probably about 50 miles from Ephesus. Um, John, who, the Apostle John, who was, was the pastor at the church of Ephesus probably, um, was exiled to Patmos. So he could see Miletus, he could see um, Asia Minor, but for many years he was stranded on a desert island. There God spoke to him, he revealed himself to him, and he gave him a message for these churches. Now, what I wanted you to see here was um, the church of Ephesus, you see that? And you see the little road to Smyrna, right? And then you see the little road to Pergamum. What we've been doing is not just random messages to different churches. He's been walking this circle with us. And he's been giving a message to each of these churches. Do you remember Ephesus? You're doing so good. You're doing so good at holding the truth, people of Ephesus. But you've lost your first love, right? You've lost the ability to love in the midst of truth. Smyrna, you're suffering so much, right? You're suffering so much. He had nothing to say against Smyrna. He just said, hold on, hold on. Pergamum, this this beautiful capital of of Asia Minor, we saw last week, he, he spoke then and says, I have, I have this against you. You're, you're, you're entertaining false apostles and you're entertaining false teaching. And, and though no one would ever deny Jesus, if they were asked that face-to-face, you remember that last week? No one would deny Jesus. Jesus uh, Satan is sneaking in. He's sneaking in underneath your defenses through, through the temptations of other cultures. Well, today we're going to go just another 25 or 30 miles away to Thyatira and, um, and, and hear the word that, that Jesus gave John for Thyatira. I want to just say one more thing while we have this map up, uh, and that is um, Thyatira was the major line of defense for Pergamum. Pergamum was such a beautiful place, such a treasure, such a prize that their strategy, much like strategies today, was to put a line of defense way out there. So Thyatira was a military uh, outpost defending Pergamum uh, from people coming up from Sardis to, uh, to uh, plunder Pergamum. I want to show you one more thing. Do we have the other map, Maddie, by any chance? Uh, you can't see it as well here in projection, but the reason I wanted you to see this one was because look at the mountains between the different places, right? Um, uh, what they were guarding when they were guarding was that road from Thyatira to, Sir- uh, to Sardis, one of the little mountain passes. And, uh, and if you guarded the passes, then, then possibly you could protect yourself from other places. But it wasn't just a flat map, a flat road. It was a mountainous terrain that uh, was very difficult to travel. So let's hear what, the, what Jesus said to, uh, through the angel to John for the messenger of the church of Thyatira. Hear the word of God, would you, beginning in verse 18. And to the angel of the church in Thyatira write these words, the words of the Son of God, 
who has eyes like a flame of fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze. I know your works, your love and faith and service and patient endurance. And, and, and I'm going to forget it later, so let, note it right here. And that your latter works exceed your first. The, the beautiful sign of growing in Christ is that, is that with ever-increasing amounts, we have love and, and service and patient endurance. But I have this against you, Jesus says to the church at Thyatira. You, you tolerate that woman, Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess and is teaching and seducing my servants to practice sexual immorality and to eat food sacrificed to idols. I gave her, Kronos, he says, I gave her time to repent, but she refuses to repent of her sexual immorality. So behold, I will throw her onto a sickbed, and those who commit adultery with her I will throw into great tribulation unless they repent of her works. And I will strike her children dead. And all the churches will know that I am he who searches the mind and the heart. And I will give to each of you according to your works. But to the rest of you at Thyatira, who do not hold to this teaching, who have not learned what some called, quote-unquote, the deep things of Satan, to you I say, excuse me, to you I say, I do not lay on you any other burden. Only hold fast to what you have until I come. The one who conquers and who keeps my works until the end, to him I will give authority over the nations. And he will rule them with a rod of iron, a court of Psalm 2. And when the earthen pots are broken into pieces, even as I myself have received authority from my Father. I will give him the morning star. Then as he says so many times, let him who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The very word of God. Oh, please be seated. Thank you for standing out of respect for the word of God. Um, I fear one of the, one of the first steps that the evil one and our culture and even our own flesh use to overcome the truths of God are a lack of respect for his word. And so even if it's only symbolic that we stand while we read the word, um, it's a powerful thing, right? That has been such a, a such a issue in our culture, what we stand for and what we bow down to. But I wanted to just invite you to think deeply with me for just a moment about Jesus' words. I'm getting just a little bit of a ring, Mark, if you could pull that down just a little bit. Um, what Jesus said to this church in this time. And, and I want to invite you to use a tool that we have encouraged you to use in your own personal Bible study and, and in the small groups that meet in your homes, right? Um, we call it the Discovery Bible Method, and it is to, is to read the Word and to and to try and recreate that word from your memory of what you heard, that would be very difficult to do in this passage today. Though Thyatira was probably the smallest church, uh, smallest city, excuse me, that Jesus spoke to, it's the most words, it's the largest message that Jesus had for this city. 
But one of the questions we ask ourselves whenever we open God's word is, is what do we learn about God? And I wanted to use that format. What do we learn about God and what do we learn about ourselves as kind of a way of unpacking this passage today? What do we learn about God from this passage? We learn that he sees and, and he not only sees, but, but he pierces us with his glance. Uh, did you hear that at the very beginning of that? It's so easy for words to fly by and you miss them. But he's quoting again from, um, from Revelation chapter 1, that great vision that John initially had of the person of Jesus Christ. And, and he notes this, uh, the words of the Son of God who has eyes like a flame of fire, right? I don't know if you ever had that, that sensation uh, of someone being able to look into your very soul, right? Someone whose eyes just pierced you and, and, uh, and, and you're afraid that they could see your very heart. Um, John is just recognizing here. He, we learn about God that he sees us. And that can be amazingly comforting. I think of Hagar in the wilderness, right? Does God not see? Does he not care about my struggles? And, and the resounding answer is yes, he does see. That can be incredibly good news, right? If, if, if you're feeling far from God, but, but it can be incredibly bad news if you're acting far from God. If you're, if you're doing something that you know breaks the heart of God. Uh, Jesus says, don't, don't be confused. I see you. I see you. But he also stands. And I'm going to try and tie two things together. What is this, this feat of burnished bronze? It was one of the strongest metals. A metal tried by fire, right? Remember... Remember Isaiah 43, when you walk through the fire, right, I will be with you, right? Here's the guy who's been through the fire. Here's the guy whose feet have been burnished, right, and, and strengthened uh, by the very fire that he walks through. As we saw earlier, he walks with us, and, and, and we can trust him because he's already been through the fire for us. He sees us and he stands with us. But I think the most powerful thing we learn about God from this particular a brief message to Thyatira was that he knows us. He knows us. I am he, he says in, in 23, verse 23, who searches the mind and the heart. And I will give to each of you according to your works. What is it that he knows about us? Well, he knows our fears. He knows our fears. And, and, and this week in our culture, in our country, is a, is, is, a, is a week where many are overwhelmed by fear. Jesus knows our fears. And he speaks into our fears. And he says it over and over Again, don't be afraid. So, in a sense, he knows that part of our soul which, which counsels our will, our emotions. He knows those things. He's not surprised by them, and he speaks to them. But he knows the other side as well. Remember, our soul is counseled by both our emotions, but also by our minds. And he says, I know your mind as well. I search your mind share with you many times that 
that when I'm in that in-between in place where I'm tempted to fear and I'm overwhelmed by the circumstances around me, I just cry out, oh, search me, oh God. Psalm 139, know my heart, right? Try me and know my anxious ways. See if there's any hurtful way in me and, and lead me in the way everlasting. Jesus knows your fears, but he knows also your minds. He knows what's dominating your thinking. And he speaks to those things as well. We learn also in this passage that he knows our hearts. And, and again, it's tempting to jump into our, our more modern understanding that that means he knows what we love. And that would be true. He does know what we love and what we hate. But I think especially here, what he's saying is, I know, I know your courage I know you've got a lot of voices coming from you, the world, your flesh, and the evil one that are causing you fear. I know that, that you have a mind that's been counseled by God's word, and, 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 and you're bringing both your fears and what you know to be true to, to take to heart. But Jesus says, I know your heart. I know your will. I know when it flags, and you're afraid that you can't go on. And I... I, I know also when, despite overwhelming fears and overwhelming evidence presented by the culture that you should think differently about God, when you stand firm, when you have heart, literally core, the French word core, when you have courage, I know those things. He says also, I know your works. It's, um, modern Christians are so so struggle with thinking about works because we're, we're so shy. We do not want to be people who try and earn our salvation, right? We especially are children of this day. This day also known as All Saints Day is also known as Reformation Day. Why? Because yesterday, over 500 years ago, Luther nailed to the door of his church he nailed a whole new way of understanding God. He, he nailed to the door of his church a, a, a vision for life that is lived by grace and not works, right? And many of us are children of Luther in that sense. We're children of the Reformation, and we, don't, we desperately don't want to try and earn our salvation. So we live in that tension, but Jesus is speaking to our works and saying your works are not something that will, that will earn your salvation. Your works are something that reveal your salvation. In other words, when, when your, your heart and, and your mind and your emotions all work together to declare God's glory, when, when, when your heart and mind and emotions are all univocally declaring his praise, then the natural outpouring of that will be blessing, will be good works. I, I didn't have any sense of maybe, what, 20 or 25 people that were, that were blessing cars driving by yesterday. Yeah, we were handing the kids candy. Um, Kristen does that to me all the time. She tempts me with candy to get me to do what she wants me to do, right? We, we brought them here with candy, but the goal was to say, God loves you. God bless you. We love you. Right? Jesus says, I know your works. I know the proof of what God is doing in your life. And, and so we saw, and I'll just highlight them real fast. We could do a word study in any of them. We saw that some of that was really good. He knows the good things. 
that we're doing. He knows our love, right? He knows our faith. Well, let me stop for a second. He knows our, our love. Remember the problem that Ephesus had, right? They had truth, but they didn't have love, right? Thyatira, Thyatira is struggling because they have love, but they don't have truth, or they're tolerating untruth in their midst. Jesus knows our good works. He knows our love. He knows our faith in him. He knows our faith. He knows, and he used, we got a lot of deacons in the room, he, he knows our service, and it's that word, deacon. He knows the way, and, and he's thinking in particular, the way you love the body, the way you care for the body. I know those things, Jesus says. And I know your service, the way that you sacrifice yourself for people who don't yet know me. I know, and he says for about the fifth time now in in Revelation, I know your patient endurance. This is hard. This is hard. And, and let's be real, right? It's been an inconvenience over these last eight months, right? Um, but it's been pretty minor inconvenience. Now, I say that, and some of you right before me here have, have suffered greatly through the disease. I'm talking about the inconvenience of wearing masks. I'm talking about the inconvenience of not being able to freely do the things that you did before. Um, um, I, I love that you are patiently enduring. But Jesus says, you're going to need that a hundredfold in the days to come. Are you hearing me? This, un, in and of ourselves, things are not going to naturally get better. Right? Um, in and of ourselves, things are going to continue to... to um, Make a turn for evil. Don't misunderstand me. Um, when, you, when you believe, when you love, when you serve, when you do all those things that Jesus commanded, you shine like light and, and people's lives are transformed. Don't misunderstand me at all. But we've read the back of the book and we know what's coming, right? And, and, and though we know Jesus wins in the end, we know the pain and the suffering that will come before Jesus says, I know your patient endurance. I know it. So he knows the good, but but he knows also the bad. What is it that he's holding Thyatira, this this um, city? Uh, what, what is he holding against them? He says, you're being seduced. You're being seduced. Many people, when they approach um, the churches of Revelation, they tie Pergamum and, and Thyatira together because both struggled with truth. Both struggled with truth. And, and though if I were to stand right here before you today and say, do you believe in Jesus Christ? Most of you in this room would say, yes, I do. Are you willing to die for your faith in Jesus Christ? Most of you in the room would, be, would say, yes, I, I am, right? If, if Satan comes at us with a frontal assault, we will... We'll, uh, we'll fly the colors. We will, we will stand, right? And so what Satan learned to do really early and has continued to do every day since is to not do a frontal assault, not ask you, uh, do you believe in Jesus Christ? But saying, uh, do you believe in Jesus Christ and this? Will you worship God and this? 
Let me just stop for a second and say there was a, there was a dynamic going on in uh, Thyatira that was unique among the, the churches. It was initially resurrected from an ancient history as a military outpost to protect Pergamum. And so uh, if you can picture, as you came upon this, this town, as you came through that mountain pass and, and, and looked down on this, you would see miles and miles of tents, right? Tents of military soldiers. Yes, there was a core stone, um, stone structures of a city, but the city itself was relatively small. What made it different was that it was, it was a staging place for the Roman army, for the military, right? And so there's massive amounts of soldiers on temporary assignment. They're living in tents, right? But you needed all this industry to support this massive military presence, right? Uh, you can see that parallels in even United States culture. So you have all of these other industries that are supporting. You have the makers of bronze who are, are making weapons and shields for the military. You have the tent makers, literally the tent makers who are making all these things. You have, uh, you have all these different uh, trades that are going on around there. And what had happened was that all those, all those trades had uh, organized together in what uh, the Bible calls guilds, guilds, uh, but were basically like um, like like modern modern day associations of similar workers, unions, and and um, and so what would happen then is that because this is a pagan culture, each union would adopt uh, a particular god that was the patron god of that union, right? And part of the way you showed your faithfulness to the union was by worshiping that God. And, and uh, some of the ways that they worshiped those gods was by licentiousness. Some of it was by drunkenness. Much of it was by sexual immorality. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that crazy? So if you didn't participate in those things, if you didn't eat in those feasts where the very meat that you ate was being sacrificed to idols, these false gods, if you didn't participate in the licentiousness, if you didn't participate in the sexual immorality, then you were excluded. Now, understand, your livelihood was at risk. You couldn't work, right? And why am I emphasizing this so much? Because Revelation says this is coming again, right? This is coming again. There will come a time when, when you will not be able to follow Jesus and and uh, work, where you'll not be able to follow Jesus and buy groceries, where you'll not be able to do things that are core um, uh, parts of our livelihood if you don't deny Jesus, right? And so, in particular, in Thyatira, the city with all of these false rituals, all these false gods, in particular, this... this um, city had a, a woman who called herself a prophetess. Her name most likely was not Jezebel. That would be an amazing coincidence, right? What, what uh, Jesus is doing here, as he does in much of Revelation, is using code language. And, and he uses the word Jezebel because he wants your mind to go back to 1 Kings 16, 17, 18, 19, in there, right? Um, he wants you to go back to the original Jezebel, Right? who married the, the king of Israel as, uh, he married her as a convenience, as a political move to solidify his power over her neck of the woods 
um, not realizing or maybe realizing that she would bring all the false worship. And this, this was a lady to be reckoned with, right? Jezebel was the one who put to death all the prophets of God, or at least, at least Elijah thought that she put all of them together. He did, she didn't, but everyone she could find, she put to death. Now picture this, picture this at, at your school, that, that there's someone going through, searching out the, the young men and the young women who are following Jesus and, and putting them to death. Picture this in your workplace. There's someone saying, uh, not do you support Biden or do you support Trump, but saying, are you a follower of Jesus? Yes, I am. Then you can't work here, right? Um, picture that kind of scenario. And that's what this woman was doing, and she was doing it in the name of God. She was doing it um, proclaiming herself to be speaking the very words of God. What was she doing? She was saying, it's okay. Uh, yeah, I know, I know. Um, Jesus said, don't let sexual immorality be any part of you, right? But it's okay in this case, because it's your job, right? It's okay. Jesus will let this one slide. It's, she was compromising. She was compromising. And she caused other people, the children, that it speaks of here were most likely not her own children. It was the spiritual children of the compromise, right? And it begs the question for us, what are we doing with what we believe, right? Are we compromising to get the person we want into office, right? Are we compromising what we believe? Don't misunderstand me. There, there, there's enough pain to go around on. on a, this is not a, a, a one-sided political thing. There's... No one party represents the will of Jesus, right? Jesus was so good at navigating politics in the midst of his day and saying it's not about politics, it's about God and the word of God. So, so Jesus is saying to this military city um, dominated by guilds. I'm not going to call them unions because there's enough of a difference. I don't want to... I don't want to besmirch unions, which have many good things about them. But um, these guilds were, that forced you to sacrifice, that forced you to compromise your values in order to work, they were being seduced by them. From the outside, it, it was these idols which they had to worship in order to succeed, right? But from the inside, it's someone in their midst who's saying this is the deeper truth. Oh yeah, I know what the word of God says, but there's a deeper knowledge. Um, there's a whole threat right here of people claiming a deeper knowledge. Yeah, you're such a, you're such a um, babe in Christ. I have, I have the deeper knowledge, right? Jesus just slams that. Because they weren't saying, I have the deeper knowledge of Satan. Though people are saying that, this, in our culture right now. They weren't saying that. They, they were saying I have the deeper knowledge of God. Jesus slams them by saying, that's not God that's given you that deeper knowledge. That's the evil one. Wow. Wow, Pastor Ed, thanks for giving us such a downer today, right? But beloved, we live in exactly the same circumstances. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? So are human beings. So are nations. The same struggles they faced at Thyatira are the struggles we face. So what do we do? What do we do in response? Come on up, worship team, if you would. Repent.
he says, again, repent. And if you're struggling, if when I say to you, repent, you, you find yourself getting, I have nothing to repent of. I know this sounds like a circular argument, but that's a good sign that you have something to repent of. When I say to you, repent of your sin and repent of the sins of your culture, understand that it's not me saying that. It's Jesus. I gave her time, he said. And I translate that to us today. I'm giving you time, right? I'm giving you time. Let the Spirit search your heart. Let him point out. Let let Psalm 139 be true. Let him point out any hurtful way in you. And when he does, when he does, turn from that and turn to him. Repent. But hold fast, he says. Hold fast. There were many. There were many who were not participating. There were many who were suffering as a result of their courageous uh, following of Jesus. There are many who are suffering. He says, hold fast. Hold fast is provision. And I want to remind you of last week. The end of our message last week, he said, I have, a, I have a hidden manna for you. There's a hidden strength for you. I have a hidden provision for you that you will not see until you hold fast. And, and, and when the time comes, I will provide that for you. In just a few moments, we're going to share in some of that hidden manna, right? It's not the little wafer in here. It's what the wafer symbolizes, the very presence of God, the, the strength of God for you. I have manna for you. And, and beloved, God has manna for you today. Yes, this, the symbolic manna of the bread that we will partake in a moment. But much more than that, the, the bread of his presence. Receive his provision. But strive also for the prize. Did you see that weird uh, expression at the very end? To the one who overcomes, I will give the morning star. Uh, wow, what's, what's, what's that? Well, in Revelation 22, I believe, we're told what the morning star is. It is Jesus himself. The prize? The prize is not deliverance from suffering. It's not, it's not financial security. The prize is none of the things the world offers. The prize is Jesus himself. Hold fast to what Jesus has done. Receive his provision and strive for the prize. I press on, the Apostle Paul said, for the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Strive for Jesus. Strive for the prize. And overcome through the one who overcame. Let me say that again. Overcome all those challenges you're facing through the one who overcame. Believe Believe in Jesus. Scripture says they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. John himself wrote in a letter uh, to his beloved, everyone born of God overcomes the world. Did you hear that? Everyone born of God overcomes the world. He's saying, I, I, just don't, I just don't know how I can do it. You don't have to. He'll do it through you. Everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that overcame the world, even your faith. 
Who is it that overcomes the world? It's like he's asking questions. Come on, who is it that overcomes the world? The one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. The one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. So believe in Jesus Christ. Speak what you know to be true. They overcame him by the word of their testimony. And don't, don't cling to things that won't last. Don't cling to political platforms. Don't cling to this life. Cling to Jesus. They did not love their life so much as to shrink from death. I was always a terrible track guy. Um, yeah, no surprise there, right? I think the best I ever did in a track meet was fourth, which is just outside the medals, right? Just outside the medals. And I think my problem was I was always thinking about where I was on the track, right? I was always thinking about who's in front of me, who's behind me, what is it going to take to pass that guy? Now, I'm not a runner, so maybe there's some runner that could say, well, that's actually a pretty good strategy. But for me, it was terrible, right? What I should have been doing was looking to the finish line. What I should have been doing was looking to who's waiting for me there. That's why when Matthew, our son, was running cross country, we would follow him around the course, but then we would always make sure we got to the finish line, right? We'd be standing at that finish line saying, go, go, Matt, run, run. Jesus is waiting at your finish line. He's calling out to you. You can do this. Hold on. Hold on, right? Fix your eyes on me. Don't look at the circumstances around you. But fix your eyes on me. I charge you, beloved. Believe in the name of Jesus Christ, right? Believe. Hold fast to what Christ has already done for you. Fix your eyes on him, the author and perfecter of your faith. Pray with me, would you? Oh, Jesus, what a privilege it is to run this race knowing that the victory has already been won, that you have already overcome every obstacle. Even as we've worshiped you today, God, you, you've taken what the enemy meant for good and you've turned it around. And you just ask that we will fix our eyes on you Jesus, I ask you, give us that vision, would you, of you seated on your throne, inviting us to come to you, inviting us to patiently endure, to love recklessly, to deeply believe, not the false teachings of the world around us, but deeply believe in your love for us. God, we will look forward to that day when with myriad angels and saints who've gone before, we stand before you. And what right now we can only see with the eyes of our faith, we see with our very own eyes. Oh, God, the victory is yours. Be glorified in us. Seated above, enthroned in the Father's love. Destined to die, Lord,
Jesus was betrayed, but looked like the greatest defeat the world has ever known. He took bread, and he, he said, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. I invite you today, through faith in Jesus Christ, who by his own body made a way for us, and who is even now seated at the right hand of God, rooting for us. I invite you, remember him. Fix your eyes upon him and do this in remembrance of him. The same way after supper, he took the cup he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, poured out for many the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Oh, thank you, Jesus, for your body. You lived the life that we could not live. You died the death that we deserved. And you bore on your own body the judgment for our sins. Thank you for your blood. The life is in the blood, your word says, and, and by your blood we are healed. By the blood of Christ our sins are washed away and we are granted new life. We remember you today. We pray as we go from this place today that, that the strength of Christ would we course through our bodies even as these elements do. The spiritual grace of God would pour through us through the very presence of God in these elements. And then God, no matter what tomorrow holds, we might with joy look forward to, to your grace and your provisions for us. We pray for many who have un unbelievable challenges. We thank you that your grace is sufficient for them. But God, we know that each of us are going to face challenges in the coming days that will be greater than we can bear. Grant that we might hold fast. Grant that we might have courage. Grant that Christ might be glorified in us. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with us as we worship the risen one together?
loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down who accuses them day and night before our God. They conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. For they love not their life even unto death. going to go back out through these doors, out into a world that desperately needs to see love, that desperately needs to see faith, that desperately needs to see service. God, grant them everything they need. I would like to pray for the rest of their lives, and I know that you are able to do that, but God, I'm just going to pray for this week. Grant us everything we need to shine as lights in a dark world, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Please uh, be dismissed now, beginning with the back rows, if you'll make your way out. We're a little bit late, so if you slide all the way out, uh, we're dismissed. Say, yeah.